0: I made this just for you, and I know you are going to love it. SLPs have been telling me already that it has changed their way for working with their older speech students. So head on over again to speechtimefund.com slash secondary secrets or use the link in the show notes. And I can't wait to hear what you think. Now let's head on to this week's episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Are you sick and tired of professional development that isn't relevant? to you in the field as being a school-based SLP or an SLP that works with school-aged children. I hear you. I've been there too. I've sat through countless amounts of professional development where I walked away saying, that was great if I worked with one student or it'd be great if X, Y, and Z. And that is why I created the Speech Retreat Conference And I'm so excited to let you know that tickets are on sale now for our July 17th speech retreat. You don't want to miss this amazing professional development that has provided practical and relevant information for school-based SLPs for the last couple of years. Join the thousands of other SLPs tuning in each time we provide sessions that are hand-selected based on your preferences and your requests. We're going to be talking all about literacy-based for older students, life skills for high school kids, working with the special ed team, pushing in, IEPs and goal writing, and so much more. So get excited and head on over to speechretreat.com to grab your ticket today. You don't want to miss out because we are already giving away tons of prizes in our exclusive Facebook group. So don't wait. Sign up right away so you can join that Facebook group and join in on the fun and celebrate being an awesome SLP that you are and get ready to learn so much information on July 17th. Can't tune in live. Make sure you sign up ahead of time so you get access to all of the recordings. You can only get access to it if you sign up beforehand. So make sure you head to speechretreat.com to grab your ticket today. Now, on to today's episode. You are listening to SLP Coffee Talk. I am your host, Hallie Sherman, and I am a licensed speech-language pathologist who is in the trenches working full-time in a public school in New York. I'm the author of the blog and teachers-play-teacher store, Speech Time Fun, where I love helping other SLPs conquer the overwhelm and get back hours spent on prepping activities I am here to help you be the best SLP you can be and have fun while doing it. Just like your morning cup of coffee, this podcast is just what you need to start the day or week. Let's jump into today's Coffee Talk. Hey, hey, and welcome to another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. Today, I have Lauren, I almost said your maiden name, oh my God. It's okay. it's I'm like, whatever. Uh, Lauren is from Busy Bee Speech. And I'm so excited to have her here to talk to you all about behavior when it comes to speech and language therapy and just behavior in general when it comes to our speech and language students. So Lauren, welcome to the show. Thanks. Well, I'm happy to be here. So tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself, your SLP journey, who you are, what you do, and how you became the SLP behind Busy Bee Speech. Sure. So
1: I went to Louisiana State University That's where I got my um, undergrad and grad degree. And I've been working as a school-based SLP for uh, a lot of years, (laughs) probably like 14, 14 years. And um, the past few years, I've been like half speech pathologist and half lead teacher so i have currently have half of the caseload which is is nice but then the other half i've i'm spending my time helping the special education teacher with their ieps and paperwork and of course behavior issues and other concerns that uh, come up and just like help them come up with the best plans possible for our little sped kids and then i'm also on our like pbis tier 2 tier 3 team so i also have a behavior experience with with that, but then as far as Bizbee Speech goes, I started that back in 2012. So it's been a while now doing Bizbee Speech thing. I started a blog and a Teachers Pay Teachers store because I was making materials for my students and I wanted to share them with others. And I have lots of materials in the areas of of like of fluency and. the found that there wasn't a lot out there at the time. So that was what made me start my blood and TPT
0: Love it. Love it. You really have some great fluency stuff. So I highly recommend everyone checking that out. So let's just jump right in on like talking about behavior. What do you find is the biggest oh. struggle for teachers and SLPs when it comes to behavior management? Yes.
1: So the biggest struggles for us would probably be two things. The first would be keeping kids engaged And then the second would be handling defiance or refusal. I think those are like the most common. Yes, I have my students who are a little bit more um, aggressive and they demonstrate more like physical behaviors that are inappropriate. But for the most part, the majority of the time, it's those two things. It's either going to be engagement or refusal they don't want to (laughs) do.
0: Can you go more in depth? Like what? I don't want to say, what are some things you've seen or experienced? Can you give some examples?
1: Yeah. So one time I had this little kiddo, he he just did not want to come to speech. and I couldn't figure out why he would go and stand at my door and he would just shake his head no and he would scream and he just didn't want to come. So he would just refuse to come. And then I kind of had to take a step back and figure out why was he doing this? Why didn't he want to come? Like, what was the deal? And then I, I looked at everything and I figured it out that it was a change in his routine for one, because it was a different like he was supposed to go to PE and that's what was on his schedule. And he wasn't going to veer off from that. So it was a big change for him. He didn't like change. So that was one thing that, that I was like, okay. So he that was one of the reasons he didn't want to come. And then also, I think there was uh, something in my room that was a little bit Harsh for him. Like he didn't like, like one of my light bulbs was out. And so the light was a little bit like off. So he didn't like to he didn't like that part about coming to my room. So with a little bit of sensory and then a little bit of his like timing and routine. So once I figured out the why, it really helped me to be able to know like this is what I can know. I now know what to do to target
0: that behavior. So true. And it really takes communicating and engaging with our whole team. And it's not just like only us and an an isolated thing, like being able to work together with your other colleagues to figure things out. Can you tell more a little about that? Yes. So having the
1: whole team on the same page is huge. Like it can make the biggest difference in a child's behavior and then just makes them happier if they have their behaviors under control. So a big part of of making sure that you're addressing those behavior challenges is to have a plan and then to be consistent and follow through with what you say. So if you create a plan for a student um, for exactly what you'll do, when the different behaviors arise, it'll make your life like a whole lot easier. And then you'll remain a lot calmer um, because you aren't flustered or wondering how to handle the situation. You already have a little you know exactly what you're going to do. And then if the whole team is aware of the plan, the student will learn the appropriate behaviors more quickly because everyone is addressing them in the same way. So then being consistent with those limits and expectations has always been just huge for me in handling those behaviors. And so this is especially important when you have certain rules and consequences. Um, It's really confusing for kids when they are allowed to do something one day and then not allowed to do it the next day. So for example, if a teacher um, or a a therapist doesn't let them constantly bounce out of their seat one day and then yell at them, like if they let them bounce out and then the next day they yell at them for not sitting correctly, it's hard for them to understand those rules and especially students with social difficulties. Um, when you're inconsistent with enforcing them. So kids appreciate boundaries, whether they realize it or not. And so if you have consistent rules across the team, it can really make a huge difference. I
0: love it. Love it. That's something like so often when we're so busy and juggling so many other things in our day. And in that one session, you don't even realize you let it go or let it go yesterday and not today. Like it's just Mm -hmm. natural. Like we're, we're human.
1: Yeah, no. And I mess up all the time. Like, seriously, I, I have to practice what I preach and remind myself too. So when I go back and think about, okay, what did I do differently that made this, this behavior increase? Oh, well, I wasn't consistent with that rule.
0: <laughs> Oops, guilty. <laughs> yeah. But it's so true. Like I had, I have a new student on my caseload who, well, relatively new, Let, that's a whole nother side story. And I upset him yesterday Mm-hmm. To the point where like the teachers came up to me, they're like, what did you do? And I'm like, he came back and he's like, and he basically like bash speech. <laughs> <laughs> and I said to him what I did, I go, I didn't think it was that bad. I, I, I gave him verbal praise. I said, Uh good job. But they go, oh, no, you can't do that. I go, what? Like, and this, thank God I spoke with them because I didn't even realize that this was something that was setting him off. I thought I was doing the right thing by like giving him encouragement to like, oh, no, no, no. Just you have to ignore him in those moments. And I'm like, good to know now that he, hate speech but like
1: <laughs> oh but yeah like so having that communication with your team members is huge like if you wouldn't have had that conversation you would have just been you would have had no idea what was going on so like, what did I do maybe. I gave
0: him a, I gave him a
1: thumbs up that's oh, all right. no. maybe he just gets really embarrassed with praise <laughs> <laughs> See,
0: and so it's so true that like well, what works with one student one size fits all like can you go into a little bit more about like really individualizing your strategies? Yes, for sure.
1: So with any, like, just like with any part of therapy, like everything needs to be tailored to the specific student. And so it's important to know the function or the reason for the behaviors that the students are exhibiting. So the four main functions of behavior, a lot of you probably know this if you've taken any kind of behavior course, but it would be um, Attention seeking. So some of them might want attention from an adult or a peer. Escape or avoidance. They don't want to do the activity. Sensory stimulation. So there's some kind of sensory issue going on, like the example I gave with the student in the light in my room. And then the last function would be access to materials like they want something that, they, that you're not giving them. So those are most of the um, general functions of behavior. So If you know your specific student and you find out why they're doing what they're doing and which one, which function of behavior they have, then you can treat them appropriately and address the behaviors. Because what you would do for escape would be different than what you would do if they wanted access.
0: Can you give an example? Of course.
1: (laughs) So, for example, if they are seeking attention from an adult and they're being really silly or seeking attention from and so seeking attention from a peer, you might just you all would want to ignore the behavior because they're trying to seek attention and if you're not giving them attention for that. Then, then they would decrease that behavior. If they uh, if they're wanting to escape a situation, then you would not let them escape it. You would have to let them make them finish the task before they would go on to something else. And then also, like for sensory simulation, you want to try to fix those sensory issues, whether it's moving them to a different environment or room, or giving them headphones or whatever the case may be.
0: Love it. love it. Yeah. Can you give an example or some tips for ways? that we can set up our environment for the most optimal success? I find when I plan my sessions are better mm-hmm. and more appropriately for that student, it reduces some of those behavior concerns. Can you give more like... Yeah, like I
1: can help some tips for preventing those behaviors, mm-hmm. right? So the first one, my first tip for preventing is always to have a routine. Research shows that having a, like a predictable environment and positive adult interactions will prevent challenging behaviors. And you can definitely help that by following clear and simple schedules and routines in your uh, sessions. And just like for adults, like familiar activities help the children. So like they'll help, it'll help them feel in control of their environment. It'll help them feel safe and secure, um, know what's happening and what comes next, and then be more engaged in learning because they know what's coming up. And it'll help them learn the task because they're doing the same type of task every day. So routines can definitely help your sessions run a lot more smoothly. <laughs> and then also I would encourage you to, uh, to have a routine and then to use visuals, having a visual schedule, are having visuals to complete directions. Um, they're definitely great. I like to make visuals of their expectations, uh, different rules, um, and even like reinforcement choices. So if a student has difficulty making transitions, then I like to make sure that they have like a visual schedule that they can refer to. And then in addition to visuals, another thing that helps a lot for preventing is using a timer. So timers can definitely come in handy so that they can that would also give them a visual um, of how long they have to do a certain task. So it gives them a sense of an end time. So this task that I don't like to do is not going to be forever. <laughs> so, for example, we might do five minutes of work and three minutes of play. So you could set the timer for, okay, we're going to work for five minutes. When the timer goes off, then we're going to play for three minutes. It just helps them get a clearer picture of what's expected, um, especially if they have trouble with abstract skills like time. And then also would be another another tip for preventing behavior challenges would be to just keep them engaged. And when they're having, because when they're engaged and having fun, of course, they're going to be more compliant, right? So some of those things that can keep them engaged are just like high interest videos, books, or toys. You know, like if they love Sesame Street, maybe you'll pull out a Sesame Street book, okay? Or um, a video of Elmo. Or um, if they love farm animals, you'll pull out your farm. Just something that's more high engaging, especially if you know that they're going to have a behavior challenge that day. Also, music and movement are also usually engaging for kiddos. And did you know that like music occupies more areas of the brain than language does? So like I just learned that the other day. And so if you can find ways to incorporate music, it has like a lot more benefits than just keeping
0: kids engaged. I mean, there's a reason why in preschool, they're like learning the ABCs and days of the week with music, like- (laughs)
1: <laughs> right it's like you can get all you can fire up all those neural pathways in your brain and even so, my
0: two-year-old knows the days of the week when we sing the song any other way she has no <laughs> idea what days of the week She <laughs> are <You're> using music <laughs>
1: so yeah i pull out all the um the little videos of music and then like itsy Mizzy spider jack hartman all those, all those videos they love it and then like getting wiggly kids up and moving with lots of sen- sensory input will help with that engagement as well so true Yeah. And then like, lastly, having a positive reinforcement schedule is huge in keeping and preventing those behavior challenges. Um, So if you think about it, like, I don't want to do non-preferred activities if I don't think I'm going to get any benefit out of it. You know, I wouldn't go to work if I wasn't going to need a paycheck (laughs)
0: properly. I'm not going to work out if I'm not going to see the scale go down. (laughs) I need that reinforcement. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: So I'm having like a token board or a first-in chart with something fun that they're working for can often work really well too.
0: So true. Now we might have some people listening saying like, do I always have to do tokens? Do I always have to do prizes? What would you say to someone who is like hesitant on the token board?
1: Yeah, no, you definitely definitely do not have to. And I, that's not my first go-to. Mm-hmm. Um, if I obviously, I always want a child to be intrinsically motivated first, and I want to try to build that rapport and let them have fun in therapy without having to do that. But if all of my activities that I have to do because of their goals are, are non-preferred for the kid, like if they don't want to do anything, then it's what I'm going to use. Cause I, I find that it will get them to comply and they will get something out of it. Even if it's just a first in chart, like First we do this, then we'll get a sticker. First we do this, then we'll blow bubbles. Like it doesn't have to be a whole token system. It can just be a if then. So, so true.
0: I also find that often, you know, we know we have them for 30 minutes and we expect them to sit and attend with us for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. Can you give some insight and some tips on ways to help get the most out of this session with some of those students that just can't attend for 30 minutes?
1: Yeah. I mean, it's attending is, is hard. So just keeping up that, keeping, bumping up that engagement is a huge thing. So if you know um, activities that they'll, that they would prefer to do, then you can always go to those. So it just would depend on um, the dynamic of your group um, if it was a, if it was a group or if it was an individual student or if it was like a group of two so it would really depend on your group you're going to have to get to know your kids and build that rapport with them establish instructional control which instructional control is just I guess it makes them like it's just like a makes them want to work for you like it's just that dynamic that you have within like you you are in control of the situation so for this you want to like Make sure that they know that you're fun, that you're going to pair yourself with fun things. So if you're consistent with that and you pull out the fun things in the beginning and like, and they can associate you with that, they're going to want to attend and see what you're going to do next. So, and you want to be engaging as a person. You'd be surprised at how many of the SPED teachers that I have to tell, okay, I know that they're not, they're not motivated and they don't want to work and or whatever. They're not attending, but you have to be engaging. Like, I don't want to say you have to put on a dog and pony show like every single day, but like you gotta you gotta try you gotta smile you gotta <laughs> bump that up some and intonation
0: like in the pitch
1: like this. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you gotta like be engaging for, for the kiddos and then uh so you can make any little boring thing really fun if you tried you know if you are excited about it then they're going to get excited about it so I would say that that's something that would really help with their attention because you have to make them want to work for you, you know?
0: So, so true. So true. (laughs) Hey, like the building report, that's what we do with our students right in the beginning. And it's so important to get that in first. Yeah. Can you give some examples of some of your favorite visuals and things that you might use with your students to help Mm -hmm. with behavior?
1: Yeah. So I like using a visual schedule. The one I have is like a little flap. So it's like a, um, it's a Velcro and then it just closes Mm -hmm. um, whenever I'm done with it. So like I have a little schedule, I have one that has three and then one that has five. And then for activities, I'll just put the different activities and they can just close them when they're done. So I find that's easy for speech because I don't usually don't do more than five things in one session. And then like, it's usually about, depends on the group. Or if it's an individual kid, I might do more activities. If they're like preschools, preschoolers that are younger, I might be having to chain down every five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> every five minutes, yeah. But if it's a group, I usually do about three, and then I give them each one, and they they close them, and they like to know what's coming next, and and they they're happy with that. So that's one visual that I like, and then you know I'll I like to have that if then chart for some of the kiddos that that need to know what's coming. Like they need to know that something fun is coming. Um, I have the if-then chart. And then I have these little mini token boards that, that I have that can go like, that I can give to them individually so they can keep track of their own little tokens if we're doing a token board.
0: Do you have any tips or advice for like some maybe older? Older students? Yeah. Yes. So
1: with our older students, most of them have what they call a DPR or daily progress report. Do any of your kids have those?
0: Like we call them like dailies or weeklies where like, like maybe like some parent has to sign it or something. Is that like,
1: yeah. So like what that is, is like throughout the day, they are working for points. Mm -hmm. And then at the end of the day, they are working for like a a different reward or they are working for so many points. And then if they get so many points throughout the week, they get a certain reward or, or whatever it is they're working for. And yeah, the parents usually sign it and all of that. So Usually we'll keep track of the DPR during the speech session too. like out, you know, they're marking for that. And then just to uh, just as far as like in speech goes, sometimes they'll a lot of the older ones, they want to work for candy. And I know like not every district is allowed to give candy. Mm-hmm. Um, Especially now, we're allowed to give it if it's individually wrapped. So, like a bag of Skittles or like a, a sucker or something that's already wrapped up, we can we can give that to them. So a lot of them will work for that or, or complete a task for that. But uh, that's <laughs> the older ones are a little bit sometimes a little bit more difficult to establish that rapport rapport if it doesn't happen right away
0: you mm-hmm. know so so true yeah so it's like you can't just start singing a song and engage with them yeah no I mean I might I might bust out some TikTok moves maybe but yeah but no, you have to like
1: Find things that they, that's high interest for them, you know, like maybe they like a certain YouTuber or maybe they want to watch a certain video at the end of their session or do something, you know, that's cool. Like they can, I've had kids work for five minutes of iPad time and, you know, I'm fine with that as long as I can, you know, monitor what they're doing. Mm -hmm. So, or like play a certain game on my iPad with me at the end or or whatnot. And they'll, they'll work for that.
0: Mm -hmm. It's the same techniques, just different Mm -hmm. rewards and different systems and maybe using not so cutesy things and just, Mm -hmm. Slight changes and adaptations. Exactly. And like, if you establish a rapport with them, like for the older
1: ones, it's important to, to really listen to them and not just like preach at them or talk to them, um, you know, like, you know, fuss at them. Like you want to make sure you're listening and people, well, why, or why don't you want to work on this? Well, explain to me, you know, so that a lot
0: of times. And I also find, again, like if you are the fun one, I have found that I've had students where the teacher's like ripping their hair out, not knowing what to do with them. And they're fine with me. I'm like, what do you mean? Like, I didn't even even need the token board. They're good. Like they had fun with me. I I tailored my sessions to their interests, to their... Exactly. So, exactly. I know
1: you have a lot of fun ideas for like high interest, Trust activities for older kids. And so I'm like, if I have questions, I'm going to your, your website I'm like, okay, what is how I need to do?
0: Something fun. YouTube. Pixar shorts. Yeah, like go for it. For sure, YouTube. <laughs> any other can you just maybe share like maybe any mistakes you've made or things like that you've learned from, like any aha moments or well, I've made a lot of mistakes. <laughs> Listen, anything that you, like, like wish you would have done differently? Any scenarios that come to your mind? Uh Uh-huh. What are you willing to share?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, like, it's hard whenever, like, when you're first starting out in the schools, like, because you're expected to be the jack of all trades, you know, when you work in the schools. Like, you have to know everything about everything. And when you you start out, you don't. Heck, I still don't. (laughs) But, um. But especially with behavior, like I was not good at crowd control, you know, so that's why I went into speech. So it was hard whenever I had like a group of kids who got really rowdy and I didn't know what to do, you know, or like one of my little students who like. not come out from under the table when it was time to leave like i'm like okay it's time to leave and you won't come out and i'm freaking out you know so i guess i just at that moment i had to just like stop and realize like i'm in control you know like the it's not the kid i am in control of, of my behavior and i can i can't control what they're doing but i can control what i'm doing you know so I can control how I react. I can control um, how I talk to the student and the decisions that I'm going to be making. So, I mean, for that one student that wouldn't come out, I had to ask for help, and it's okay
0: to ask for help, you know. <laughs> I was, I was, oh, that was going to be my next question. Have you ever had to ask for help? And like,
1: <laughs> for sure, I had to ask for help. And I mean, two heads are better than one. And like, most of my kids with plans, the step three of the plan is call for help, you know, like call for the team to come in. So and when that happens, it's okay if the team has to come in. It's okay to admit that you need help and, you know, you can't mm-hmm. handle all the things. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: I had a student once that eloped, like on like we were going from the classroom to speech and he did, bolted. And I just screamed to the other end of the hallway, someone st- <laughs> Someone stop. (laughs) Oh, my God, you're going to get there faster than I am. And I had to ask for help. Everyone's looking at me like, what are you going to do? I'm like, what are you going to do on the other end? (laughs) Uh (laughs) Yeah,
1: so there's a lot of things that I learned about behavior just through the experience of um, watching others deal with it. Or having to like think of things on the fly, realizing that all kids are different and their needs are different and you have to tailor your actions differently with each one. So everything's a learning experience and it's okay to not know. <laughs> things are trial and error for sure.
0: Would you give any advice to like a CF or a grad student who's feeling a little unsure or s- nervous when it comes to dealing with this aspect on top of everything else that they have to deal with? Yes.
1: It's okay, again, it's okay to not know. You have more resources than you realize you have. There are people that you can ask that you probably don't know that you can ask them. Um, one would be the school psychologist, one would be the child's education, the special education teacher, regular education teacher. If you have like we have what's called an educational diagnostician who comes and does like the functional behavior analysis for the students. I don't know, like so d- different districts are different and states have different requirements. So I would definitely like look into who would all your resources be to be able to ask your questions to. Um, and don't be scared to speak up and ask questions. Nobody expects you to know all the things.
0: <laughs> so I, I remember feeling like, Mm-hmm. I couldn't admit that I didn't know something because I would show weakness, awesome. a sign of my weakness that so, like people would yeah. know. I'm, people would know I'm fresh, like and new.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you can always approach it like I don't know how to handle these specific behaviors. You know, like not that I don't know how to do anything or any behaviors. <laughs> like I'm having trouble with
0: these behaviors.
1: What suggestions do you have?
0: <laughs> what has worked for you since you're also working with this? Student? Right.
1: And like the parents are another resource you could always ask. What do you do at home that helps? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, so
0: true. So true. Any last bit of advice that you would give to everyone listening when it comes to dealing with difficult behaviors?
1: Nope. Just keep doing what you're doing. And I know that um, that, that y'all are all trying your hardest, especially in these crazy times. It's always, you know, not easy, especially to keep kids engaged across the screen. (laughs) So that's a whole nother issue that you have, a barrier. But um, I know you're all trying your hardest and um, just keep it up.
0: Thank you so, so much, Lauren. Lauren, can you tell everyone where they can learn more about you and everything that you have to offer SLPs everywhere? Sure.
1: Um, my website is busybeespeech.com. You can find me there. I have several blog posts about behavior. If you want to know a little bit more, I also have a Teachers Pay Teachers store under the name Lauren Lacour Haynes, and you can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at busybyspeech.
0: And I highly recommend go checking her out. You'll learn a ton of awesome tips and tricks for your speech therapy room. So go check that as soon as you stop driving or whatever you're doing right now. (laughs) I don't want anyone getting into any accidents or anything like that. Thank you so much, Lauren. As always, I'm going to end this episode with a joke. When does it rain money? She knows because I already told her the answer and she's pretending like she doesn't (laughs) know. So when does know. it rain? When does it rain money? When there is a change in the weather. But I'm mm. ching. Gotta love our jokes. How it brings in that figurative language and multiple meaning words. And I use it all the time with my students. And it's a great way to build that rapport. Yes. One, it makes you fun. Too mm-hmm. builds the routine because they know there's gonna be a new joke of the week. Three and four, it gives our my students keeps my students engaged while we wait for the other students to arrive into the speech room. There's no downtime, so that is why I love using jokes of the week, and I don't do it anything fancy. It's on seriously a piece of printer paper because it's like I steal it out of the photocopy machine at work, like so it's free, and I fold it in half, like literally, like like you know the hamburger hot dog fold. I hamburger fold it, and on Mm the top flap. It's the joke and inside is the answer. And I mask masking tape it to my wall. It's so not fancy, but efficient. Oh, I bet they love that. Mm-hmm. You're so fun, Howie. <laughs> no, it's really desperation sometimes. You need to do what you got to do. <laughs> yes, indeed. <laughs> okay, guys. Until next week, SLPs, stay out of trouble. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of SLP Coffee Talk. You can find all of the links and information mentioned in this episode at www.speechtimefun.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the show so you don't miss any future episodes. While you are there, it would mean the world to me if you would take a few seconds and leave me an honest review. See you next week with another episode full of fun and inspiration from one SLP to another. Have fun guys.